welcome to Australian Women Preach, a podcast that aims to raise women's voices in preaching the gospel. Our intention is to model the church we want to be, inclusive, diverse and welcoming. Brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church and The Grail in Australia. Dr. Mary Colo is a presentation sister and a professor of New Testament at Yarra Theological Union, a college within the University of Divinity, Melbourne. Her primary focus in teaching and writing is the Gospel of John. This year, her two-volume commentary on John in the Wisdom Commentary series is being published. It's a feminist commentary on the biblical books. Mary has taught at Australian Catholic University and at tertiary institutions overseas. Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, Chapter 20, and it's one of the great Easter Gospels. And of all the great Christian feasts, Easter is the most feminine. Even the word Easter has its roots in the old Germanic word oystra, the goddess of spring the goddess of the rising sun. And it's possible that oestra gave her name to the particular feminine hormone, oestrogen. You might say Easter is imprinted in our DNA. In all of the Gospels, it is the women who first discover the empty tomb. Something unimaginable has happened to the corpse of Jesus. The corpse, in its linen trappings of death, is no longer there. In today's Gospel from John, we read of one woman's experience. John writes, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. The English translations hide something important about this Mary. Magdalene is not a surname like Smith or Colo. Whenever she is spoken of in all the Gospels, she is named Mary the Magdalene, like Jesus is called Jesus the Christ, and Peter is called Peter the Rock. Magdalene describes something that is a characteristic of this woman. The word Magdalene comes from the Hebrew word migdal for a tower. So perhaps Mary was tall, towering over other people, or could it be an image of her greatness? Mary, the outstanding one. When we later see in John 20 that she is the first to see the risen Jesus and the first sent to tell the disciples the Easter proclamation, she has a preeminent role. Quite early in the church's history, around the year 200, Mary was named the Apostle to the Apostles. Rightly, she deserves her title, Mary the Magdalene, the outstanding one. She not only sees the stone rolled away, 
but must have glanced inside the cave tomb and seen that the corpse was no longer there. At that time in history, burial happened in three stages. First, the body was wrapped and anointed. Often the tomb had a shelf on one side where this could happen. Then long narrow tunnels were dug into the side of the tomb and the body would be slid into one of these, which would then be sealed temporarily. The third and final stage involved the relatives returning to the tomb after about two years, when all the flesh was decomposed, leaving only the bones. The relatives would collect the bones, clean them, and place these in a small box, which would then be decorated, and the name of the deceased carved into the box. This could be left in the tomb or taken somewhere else for final burial. So Mary arrives expecting the tomb to be closed, but finds it open and the body is missing. Her first reaction is to presume that someone has stolen the body. In the first century, there was a Jewish belief in resurrection of the dead. But this was to occur on the last day, at the end of time. Even though the Gospels report Jesus saying that he would rise, it is clear that the disciples did not expect his resurrection to happen during their lifetime. So finding an empty tomb does not indicate resurrection, but grave robbers. Mary's question to the disciples could be framed, where can we find Jesus? He's no longer in a tomb. Mary's message leads to a race to the tomb by Peter and a disciple known only by his nickname, the one Jesus loved or the beloved disciple. And this beloved disciple arrives first, but steps back to allow Peter to be the first to enter the tomb. Standing at the door of the tomb, this beloved disciple could not see the full picture, just some of the grave clothes. John says he bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. When Peter stepped inside the cavern, he sees more. He saw, John writes, the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So Peter sees that the veil covering the face was in a different place to the other cloths. At this point, the beloved disciple steps into the cavern with Peter, and now he can see the whole picture. And we're told he believed. Now he's inside the tomb, the beloved disciple can see that the face veil has been rolled up in a different place. John, who is a master of symbolism, may be making a link between this face veil and the one that Moses needed to wear following his encounter with God. In the book of Exodus, chapter 34, we read that Moses needed to hide the radiance of his glorious face. 
When Moses was in the tent meeting with God, the face veil was not needed. But when he came out to the people, his face was ablaze and the people were afraid to look. Hence, Moses shielded his face with a veil. During Jesus' life, his divine glory needed to be veiled most of the time. Occasionally, it was revealed in his signs. But now that Jesus has definitively entered into his glory, the veil of Jesus' mortal flesh is no longer needed. The beloved disciple recognises the discarded headcloth as a sign that the empty tomb is not an act of grave robbers, but an act of God. God has entered this place of death and turned it into a place of life. So my question is, where do you look to find Jesus? Like these disciples, are you looking in a tomb? Is Jesus a figure of past history? a person you hear about in a church, in a building? Or is Jesus a living person you can glimpse in your current life? If you are looking in the wrong place, you can never find Jesus. There's a marvellous Sufi story of the mullah coming across Nazradim, searching in his courtyard for a lost coin. The mullah joins in the search. After a time, he says to Nazradim, where did you lose it? And Nazradim answered, somewhere in the house. So the mullah asked, well, why are you searching out here? And Nazradim replied, oh, there's more light out here. If you're looking in the wrong place, you can never find Jesus. If we look closely, we will find Jesus rising in our lives while driving the car, in our children, talking with the neighbour, in the office. The signs may not be obvious and will require a moment's reflection, but if we look in the right place, we will find him risen in our midst. You have been listening to Australian Women Preach, brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church, and The Grail in Australia. You can find out more about WATAC at watac.net.au and The Grail at grailaustralia.org.au. The music in this podcast is from the song Truth, from the album Into Silence, by songwriter, musician, theologian and teacher Danielle Ann Lynch. You can hear the full version on Spotify. Spotify.